Hey folks, this is Kevin. On this week's episode of Risk, you'll hear Hunter Gardner. And the reason why I was at a Bible study is because I had been doing way too much cocaine. <laughs> that and more. But first, folks, if you are anywhere near LA, don't miss the next Risk live show there on June 17th at the Hotel Cafe. And if you're anywhere near New York, our next live show there is June 22nd. Listen, the next LA show is an especially big deal with an especially wonderful cast. And we only do the New York shows once every four months now, so that one's also a must-see experience. Nothing beats actually being there. And you can find all the info you need at risk-show.com live. He'll be right back. Folks, if you like good old-fashioned true crime mysteries, if you like stories where you feel like you're a detective finding clues, June's Journey is the name of this new game that you can play on your iPhone or your Android. You are uncovering the mystery of June's sister's murder. It's this well-to-do family in the 1920s living in a great Gatsby-like mansion. Each scene uncovers new aspects of the story. Some parts are in New York. Some parts are in Paris. There's all kinds of objects you're finding and trying to assess whether they're meaningful or not. You collect information, filling out your own photo album, and you're keeping track of all the characters. There's romance, there's scandalous family secrets. It feels like a really fun play or movie. And I've only made it through like five scenes, but I am told you could crack the case. All you need is an internet connection and downloading on iOS or Android. So discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Now here's the show. Risk! Kids, this is Risk, the show where people tell true stories they never thought they'd dare to share. I'm Kevin Allison, and this is Vitamin String Quartet behind me now, covering somebody that I used to know, because today's episode is called Growing Apart, an issue that can be so, so very challenging for so many of us, oftentimes in life, which is why it's so helpful to hear people sharing about it. Folks, I want to tell you, this is the year that we save risk. This is the make it or break it crunch this year. Now, we are sincerely confident that we have at least several more years in us to be creating the podcast, maybe even creating another podcast about storytelling and mental health and well-being, and creating new social events that help people connect in meaningful ways, all a part of our mission to help people become healthier and happier and to create a more compassionate world. 
Now, it would take too much time to explain the nitty-gritty about why this year is the crunch year, but that we're confident we have many years left in us if we can make it through this one. But the long and short of it is, if you've never joined our Patreon, now is the time. If you have joined our Patreon, but feel you could up your donation there, we would so hugely appreciate it. There's so much wonderful bonus content there, and we'll soon be adding lots of new perks there, like online get-togethers, workshops, and more. So please visit us at patreon.com risk. And if you want to make a one-time donation, that's at paypal.me slash risk show. Now, in a little bit, we're going to hear from Shalewa Sharp, who we've wanted to get on the show since forever. Such a treat to have finally had Shalewa. She did our San Francisco Sketchfest live show back in February. But before that, a story that was shared at our March show in L.A. by Hunter Gardner, whose comedy you can find at huntergardner.com. So without further ado, here is Hunter now with a story we call The Part in the Middle. So I remember the day that I finally asked my dad why he divorced my mom. We were walking around this nature reserve outside of his neighborhood where he lives in South Carolina, and the sun was out, and it was shining, and there was the white-gray Spanish moss flowing in the trees, and the turtles sunbathing in the creek next to us. It was really a beautiful, bucolic scene for me to have my first ever anxiety attack. But about 20 minutes into the walk, I mustered up the courage to ask my dad. And I remember when I do, he stopped, he took a breath, he picked up a nearby stick, and he drew two imaginary circles on the pavement in front of us that overlapped. He pointed at one of the circles, he said, this was me. He pointed at the other circle and said, this is your mom. And then he pointed at the part in the middle where they overlap and he said, this part in the middle, it just didn't work. And I know in that moment, he was just trying to give me a kind, simple, direct answer, but I did not like that answer because I just wanted him to talk to me man to man. My parents had been divorced for almost 10 years. It was just like this known secret looming in the background of my head. And I was just like, you can shoot me straight. You know, like I have a driver's license. I've kissed a girl. I've gone camping more than once on purpose. I just did one of the hardest things in my entire life. And my dad's answer was a Venn diagram. And that made me angry, but it also inspired me because on that day, I decided I'm gonna become the best circle I can be, I'm gonna meet another circle, and that part in the middle is always going to work. A Couple years later, it's my first year out of college, I'm 22 years old, and I've never had a girlfriend. 
But then I met Amy at a Bible study. And the reason why I was at a Bible study is because I had been doing way too much cocaine. <laughs> How much? Great question. Okay, so much uh, that one day I woke up uh, on a mattress on a floor of someone's house that I did not know, and out loud I said, that's enough, I'm going back to church. I had grown up going to church. I was familiar. I was a bit of a youth group kid. I did the mission trip thing. And even to that day, if you had asked me, is Jesus who he said he was? I'd be like, yes, you know, I'm a, a Christian, you know? And that's exactly what I did. I went back to church, but when I showed up, it was like, oh, church is kind of cool now. There was like this rock and roll praise band and this young pastor that used hair products and looking around, there's all these people like about my age wearing cool t-shirts, you know? And I didn't really have a lot of friends at the time. The friends I had got me really into cocaine. And so when they invited me to a Bible study, I was like, yeah, sure, you know? So I show up to this house outside of downtown Raleigh. I open the door and right away I see Amy. She has this kind of girl next door glow to her. And to my delight, like almost immediately, Amy beelines it straight to me and asks me for my cell phone number. And I was like, well, this church thing's going pretty good. But then she asked me for my email address, which I thought was kind of weird. But that's because, as it turns out, Amy was the communications coordinator for the Bible study. So it was kind of like her job. <laughs> but still, I, I walked away that night thinking, I really think Amy might be my circle. I mean, she was just sweet and she was kind and smart and driven. And she had this kind of like punchy sense of humor. You know, she was nice, but it, kind of that thing where, oh, I wasn't expecting you to like really be able to make fun of me like that. Uh, she also played soccer in high school. I've always kind of had a thing for girls that played soccer in high school. Anyway, my inner secrecies are not important. Um, but sure enough, Amy and I, we, we start to text. And at first it is just prayer requests. But then we, <laughs> we, you know, we kind of start to like share a little bit about our, our lives, you know, and, and then at some point it starts to get like a little fun and flirty. And then there's the time that me and Amy go out for ice cream. It's just me, Amy, and her little brother, like just the three of us, you know? And that's kind of how Christian dating is, is it's just expected that you're going to start as friends, you're going to take your time, you might even meet each other's families. All of this before you ever kiss, like definitely before you ever date. You just have to be patient. And I was fine with being patient because in the meantime, my life is just getting so much better. You know, I'm not doing any cocaine anymore. I'm hardly drinking. I'm making all these new friends, like cool, interesting, vulnerable friends. I'm playing rec league volleyball with my cool, interesting, vulnerable friends. And so I don't mind, you know, I, I can be patient in this Christian dating thing for Amy. And in the meantime, it just feels like God is really working in my life. Like something here is going on. Like this is ordained by God. Something big is going to happen soon. And Amy has a birthday coming up. So I went to my friend's house in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, who has a professional recording studio, and I recorded a song for Amy for her birthday. <laughs> <laughs>
Amy, don't you know you're amazing? That is something I've been meaning to tell you. Your hair is blonde and your eyes are blue. Amy, happy birthday to you. Yeah, it was a real banger. <laughs> and I burned that song onto a CD. I put that CD into a plastic case. I find out where Amy and her girlfriends are having her birthday dinner that night. I swerve into the back parking lot of an Italian restaurant and I put that CD underneath the windshield of her red Jeep Cherokee. I pull out of the parking lot feeling pretty hopeful. <laughs> the next day, uh, Amy has a cookout for her birthday. This time it would be a co-ed event that I was actually invited to. And it is uh, just a bright, sunshiny day. The grill's going, friends and family are there. Everybody's having a great time. But for some reason, it seems like Amy is kind of avoiding me. Which I think is strange, because obviously I've just won her heart over with this amazing romantic love song. But then eventually I am able to kind of like track her down. And uh, I'm like, hey, um, did you get your present? And she's like, yeah, what'd you think? And she says, it was nice. And it was nice. <laughs> but it was also awkward and definitely at least a little bit creepy. <laughs> And from the look on Amy's face, I can tell that we're probably just going to be friends. And that's exactly what happens. I'm heartbroken at first, of course. I mean, I really thought that, like, this could be my first ever girlfriend. But big picture, Amy and I, we stay friends because we're still on the same team. You know, we're all about Jesus and getting out there and... <laughs> Saving some souls. And with Amy out of the pictures, I really doubled down on that saving souls uh, thing. And I moved from Raleigh, North Carolina to Charleston, South Carolina to witness to my childhood best friend. Now, if you don't know what witnessing is, if you've ever seen one of those angry guys on a street corner that's holding a sign that says turn or burn, that is technically witnessing, but there are more subtle versions. Um, like where I come from, cool t-shirt church, it's mostly just, it's mostly just living like a God-centered life and then people maybe notice something different about you and then they ask you about it, spoiler alert, it's Jesus, you invite, you invite them to church and then the cycle continues, so to speak, right? But then, remember, this is my childhood best friend and we had grown up doing everything together, including all the church stuff, the praise band and the mission trips and the youth group. And I was like, you know, the stakes are just so high. I really believe that if he didn't come back to Jesus, he was going to spend the rest of eternity in hell. And I was like, I can't just like go around talking about hell. Like I'm going to church this Sunday. It's like, I got to take some real action here. So I did, you know, I put up little Bible verses on the fridge and like I would do his dishes as an act of service. And I was like, that's, I, that's still not enough, you know? So, so finally the night, the night comes. We're, we're sitting in the backyard of this rental house that we're living in in Charleston. It's that time of year where like it's still warm during the day, but then it gets, starts to get cold at night. So I had built us a fire, which I knew how to do because I've been camping more than once on purpose. 
and we're sitting in the beach chairs by the fire and we've had a couple of beers. It gets to that point in the conversation where you start to talk about like love and life and philosophy. And so I just come right out and ask my best friend, I'm like, hey man, like remember going to church together? And like, what do you think about when you think about God? And I'll never forget this. He was like, yeah, man, you know, I think like going to youth group and church and stuff, I just went because I like to play music and hang out with my friends. And as far as God and the Bible, I, I don't know. I mean, don't you think people are going to look back on us like we look back on the Greeks and Romans and be like, it was just mythology, you know, stories. And I was floored because this is a guy that one time we went to Sunday school together and the Sunday school teacher implied that Buddhists might go to heaven. We quoted the Bible and walked out. <laughs> The next day when I sat down and opened my Bible, it just felt a little different. Um, I decided I had to start asking myself some tough questions, you know, like, what do I really believe about angels and demons? And did someone really make the sun stand still in the book of Joshua and the book of Genesis? Some people say, read it literally. Other people say, it's poetry. Well, if it's literal, I have to believe that the earth is like 6,000 years old. I don't believe that. And if it's poetry, then when does the poetry stuff stop and the literal stuff start? So I did what any good Christian would do in this situation, and I asked someone to go get coffee with me. It was my Bible study leader at the time, John, and I sat down with him. And I was like, hey, man, just like man to man, me and you, I got some questions. Just shoot me straight. When I asked him these questions, he stopped, he took a breath, he pinched the middle of my Bible on the Gospels. That's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It's essentially the story of Jesus' life. And he said, all that matters is that we believe this part in the middle. As long as this part in the middle works, that's all we need to believe in. And I did not like that answer because it does. It does matter. It matters a whole bunch, especially if I'm going to tell my best friend that if he doesn't believe it, he's going to go to hell forever. So my faith, it, it goes from confused to concerned to eventually debunk. And not a couple weeks after I decide, I just don't think I'm a Christian anymore, do I get a phone call from Amy. And she is enthusiastic about coming to visit me in Charleston. And so she does. It's just me, Amy, and her little brother. <laughs> just the three of us. But this is okay, right? Because it's just like, listen, we covered this already. We're just platonic friends. But what happened next, I can only describe as like a Christian rom-com montage. We go out, we eat cheeseburgers. We pray for our cheeseburgers and then we eat our cheeseburgers. <laughs> we go to a nighttime baseball game. There's fireworks. There are literally fireworks in the air. And then the last day of her trip, it's Sunday. I take her to my new cool, you can wear a t-shirt here church. And I'm sure when the greeter said, Hunter, it's so great to see you again. Amy thought, you know, since last Sunday, but in reality, it had been months. And that Sunday before Amy left, she sat me down on the front porch of my house and we're looking out over the front yard, the big palmetto trees. It's a beautiful day out for me to have my second ever anxiety attack. And she tells me that she made a big mistake and that we should have dated when I was back in Raleigh and that we still could, we can make things work long distance. But in that moment, what I realized 
was that what it attracted to me most to Amy was not her blonde hair or her blue eyes or the fact that she played soccer in high school. It was her relationship with Jesus. And in that moment, I realized that I didn't feel the same way. That part in the middle just didn't work. And I wish that I could tell you that this is exactly what I said to her, but it's not. I just said something off the cuff. I just made something up. And um, she kind of started to cry a little bit. She gave me a kiss on the cheek, and she had kind of accepted what I had said. And she went to the car, and her little brother drove her four and a half hours back to Raleigh. And I never saw her again. But that night, I poured a drink. I sat on that same front porch, and I called my dad. And I remember he told me, son, there's just some things in this life that when you know them, you can't not know them anymore. And I know that he was talking about falling in love, falling out of love, and also falling away from my faith. But in that moment, I wasn't angry or the slightest bit confused. We were talking man to man, and I knew exactly what he meant. Thank you so much. Why are you getting yourself all worked up? 
none of that shit is real. <laughs> Who's ever in these predicaments? <laughs> Are you serious? What a waste of time, what a waste of money. <laughs> but um, I did, a few years ago, go through something that, when I actually started to think about it, was, in a way, like a, a horror movie. I mean, it starts with a call coming late at night, early in the morning. When I say call, I mean a Facebook message. We're not using <laughs> who's calling. <laughs> but I got a Facebook message in the middle of the night, and all the message said was, um, hey, so old dude asked me to marry him, and I said yes, Wedding's in April, you coming? <laughs> this message came from uh, my old friend, Ellie, who I had met many moons ago in seventh grade. We bonded over both of us having short hair, and this was in the mid-80s when it was all about back-teasing and bangs to the Lord and big, big hair. And we clearly were both raised by women who were just over it. <laughs> so they chopped our hair off and we became very close. And we just, you know, we were, we were tight and we used to run the streets um, all through high school and in our 20s, the mean, mean uh, streets of Atlanta. And um, I was just enamored by her, Ellie. Just, she seemed just so cool to me, you know? She was just the coolest person, and whatever she wanted, I'd drop anything to just do it with her, because I just wanted to, if I could just touch the hem of her garment, I just thought she was super cool, so whatever she wanted to do. If she wanted to dress all in black and listen to James Bond themes while we lightly stalked her current crush, I'm riding shotgun, you know what I mean? <laughs> Absolutely. Put the black stuff under our eyes. We did the whole thing. If she wanted to lie to her mother about her whereabouts, and so uh, she needed to use someone as an alibi, I was there for her. Her mother thinks that I love the Rocky Horror Picture Show. <laughs> I've never seen the Rocky Horror Picture Show. So that means I loved Ellie enough to have conversations with her mother about the Rocky Horror Picture Show. <laughs> Luckily, her mom had never seen it either, so anything I said, her mother was like, I mean, I guess you guys seem to be going every week. And I'm like, that's what she told you? Uh, I mean, sure, because I loved Ellie. So when I got this message about her wedding, I just wrote back, absolutely, wouldn't miss it. And she said, great. Wear green. Oh, snap. Am I finally going to get to be a bridesmaid? Yo, wear green? See, here's the thing you have to know about me and Ellie and, and the type of people that I friend. We're more of like a common law marriage type of people. You know what I mean? We don't really do paperwork. <laughs> but what that means is, if we do decide to go ahead and have your little weddings, we're just going to throw out a color and you're going to come and you're going to have our back as we stand up there and say to the Lord or to Zenu or whoever, 
that we love this person standing next to us. So we're real chill, right? We're very chill. So she just says, wear green. I'm like, absolutely, I got your back. I'm wearing green. Green is not a color I normally do. So I really had to scour the internet to find the kind of green that I thought was acceptable enough for this cool wedding. And so come April, I go, I'm, I'm going to a Carolina state, to a small town in one of the Carolinas. Now this is, look, I grew up in Atlanta, so this is not my first time driving to a small town in a Carolina state to see one of my white girlfriends get married. <laughs> Did this all the time. But this was my first time doing it post-Trump. And whereas before, it just felt like, <laughs> this time it was, uh, it was felt a lot scary. It felt heavier somehow. I couldn't really explain it, but I just know I was very tense when I finally got to the town. So tense that I kind of lost my bearings and I took a wrong turn and went over some train tracks and drove through the black part of the town. And then the road curved and went back over the tracks and I ended up back in the regular part of the town. And I was like, oh, that's a heavy, heavy metaphor. Like we didn't even try. Literally on the wrong side of the tracks is where my people are. That's odd. I never noticed that before. But I went ahead and went to the town inn, the only hotel in the town. As I'm pulling up, Ellie is out there waiting for me. She unfortunately has some bad news an extended uh, family member of her fiance wanted to be a part of the wedding. So there's really no room for me to be in the bridal party. I mean, if I want to walk, sure, but I won't have a bouquet or anyone with me. And I was like, Ugh. no, that just feels weird. I don't want to stand out. I don't want to be the odd person out. I don't want to do that. And she said, okay, I'm really sorry about that, but hey, come to the rehearsal dinner. Come out, come out to the rehearsal dinner tonight. We're having a cookout. You'll get to meet old dude. It'll be fantastic. I went, all right. So I drove even further in the cut, further in the woods, and I met uh, the people in her wedding, uh, some of her family, some of her friends. I only knew a couple of them, but they all knew me. I know they all knew me because they all said, oh, Shalewa, you're her friend from Atlanta. You're her Atlanta friend. And they said it like that every time. And my spidey senses went off and I'm like, ooh, that feels like code. Why do you keep saying it like that? You can just stop at Shalewa, which you all also are saying correctly. So I feel like there was... <laughs> some sort of summit that happened where we all learned how to say Shalewa. Don't get the facts wrong. It's very odd. There's no, mm, that's not a name that's natural to the deep south. Wedding is the following day. And I realized as I sat in the back of the church that from Atlanta was code for the only black person there. I knew that. This was, again, not my first time. 
I've known her since seventh grade. We grew up in Stone Mountain, Georgia. And if you don't know what Stone Mountain, Georgia is, it is a town that's built around a giant piece of granite that has Confederate Army heroes etched in the side. <laughs> I could see that from my window. Um, so I'm working through some things. But that's our background. Wedding is fine. I'm looking at the bridal party a little bit with my arms crossed like, who are these bitches, right? <laughs> and here's a thing I notice. They all have on the same color green. Huh, that's weird. It's not the same dress, but it's all the same color. And I think it's a color that's supposed to match the green in Ellie's hazel eyes. And I'm like, oh, I didn't even think about that. I'm just trying to find a green that looks good on me. So I definitely would have stuck out. I'm glad I said no. But I do find it odd that they all seem to be coordinated. That's not how we roll. That's not the Ellie I know. We go on to the reception, which is also at the only inn. Same spot. And it's your normal kind of wedding reception, you know. Um, someone attempted an electric slide. It did not go well. <laughs> They all looked at me for help, and I was like, mm-mm. <laughs> I'm not getting paid to be here. I'm not your instructor. Y'all figure that out. Mm. <laughs> but uh, I'm sitting at a table with a couple of other people, you know, waiting for food, and this woman is sitting at the table talking to her companion, and she has on this wild green dress, and I hear her saying that Ellie told all of her friends to wear green. That way she'd know who was there for her. And I'm like, what, what is that? <laughs> who does that? Am I out of the loop of weddings? I've never been in the loop of weddings. I don't know if that's a thing that you do where you say, you're my guest, you all wear this color. That way I know that you're my friend. Cause I feel like you should just know your friends. <laughs> And also, I mean, we're still doing seating like bride side, groom side. You know what I mean? We're still doing that. You know who it is. This town is not big enough for everybody to need to have on. It's unnecessary. I flew and drove through the deep south just to find out I'm any of these idiots. <laughs> Boo. <laughs> so I'm really learning about myself, but I'm also, everything just feels uneasy. Nothing this just isn't the Ellie I know. You know what I mean? These decisions are not, it's just not who I grew up with. And so that all feels odd, but then it takes a real turn. I see the oldest person I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> the oldest person I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> it is an old man who is being helped downstairs and into a seat. Truly the oldest person, and I hear a person behind me and they go, oh yeah, yeah, that's Strom Thurmond's nephew. Okay, we in a different territory. Hold on, hold on. That's Strom Thurmond's nephew? That's his nephew. Well, this doesn't even feel like peak racism behavior. Nephew, that's the best we could get. I'm still scared, I want better fear for me. <laughs> I'm more scared than I've ever been, because I'm like, this feels like a deep cut. Do you know what I mean? Like, this is a, 
huh, this is weird. This is weird. Why? Why is, why is that guy here? Who does, who does he, is he a friend of old dude? Is he a friend of the groom? Oh, this is, because Ellie, certainly you don't have any ties to Strom Thurmond's nephew. He's never even been to Atlanta that I know of. After the reception, Ellie comes up to me and she's like, hey, we're going to have an after party in the honeymoon suite. And I'm like, I know, that's why we all came. And she's like, no, 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 no. I mean, other people are going to come up. We're going to hang out. Come up and hang out. Then you'll really get to talk to this guy that I just married. And I'm like, yeah, that's okay, fine. So I went up, plenty of people up there, drinking, smoking. People start to leave. I'm still sitting there with Ellie and Mr. Mrs. Ellie. And, um, and he starts talking, and he's talking, and he's talking, and he starts talking about his guns. I'm not swayed. Again, grew up in the South. You give a white dude long enough, he's going to start talking about his guns. <laughs> Big deal, you know? Glad you got him. And then he says, that's why I'm glad Trump was elected, because you Democrats, he says to me, you Democrats trying to take my guns. And I'm like, bruh, I just met you. One, I don't want your guns. Two, why'd you say you Democrats like that? Three, how do I get out of here? <laughs> but he keeps going. He turns out old dude is one of those guys who likes to just kind of poke at anthills, and he's just trying to get a rise out of me. And so he's just like, you know, I mean, I feel like he's going to really bring the country back to where it needs to be, you know, it has been through a lot, blah, blah, blah. And I'm just looking at Ellie while... Mr. Mrs. Ellie is talking, and I'm like, this you? This your man's? And she's just kind of sitting there, letting it happen. And finally, I'm like, shut up about your guns. What is, what is this? And Ellie goes, I mean, you know I'm the most liberal person here. And I'm like, clearly that's not saying a lot. That's not, that means nothing. And I, I left. I left because Ellie stopped being what she was to me, which was just one of the coolest people I'd ever met. And she just turned into a regular old white woman who married a terrible white dude. Oh, that's a fate worse than death. And I, I was so upset that I left the inn early. I was supposed to go to brunch with them, which apparently is a new thing. After you spend all night drinking with people at a wedding, you're supposed to eat eggs with them the next morning. And I was like, Nah, you got me with the green dress thing. I'm not also going to eat with your racist ass husband. And she was like, you should come out though. You can really get to know him. And I'm like, I feel like I know enough. And so I got to stop. I got to stop talking to you, Ellie. And I kind of cut Ellie off. And I'm in a little bit of pain about that, but it really felt like what I needed to do. All of my astrology apps have told me. <laughs> that I expect too much out of people, and when people tell you who they are, they mean it. So I've stopped hanging out with her, and she knows it, because I get a lot of in the middle of the night drunken messages from her on Facebook that are just like, hey, remember when we used to? And I'm like, I do, but I can't anymore. And then I got one last year where she was like, hey, what do you want to do for your 50th birthday? And I don't know what got into me. And I answered and I said, I kind of want to go to Japan. 
And she's like, let's go to Japan then. And I got a little excited. Yo, Ellie's back. Let's go to Japan. And then a voice in my head went, stop. You know what you need to do. And I checked her Facebook profile. And she's still married to old dude. So I guess I'm going to Japan by myself. Thank you very much. This is Risk. This is TLC behind me now. And if you check the video for this song, it is so pure 90s. I love it. And we just heard from Shalewa Sharp, who you can find at Silky Jumbo on Twitter and Instagram. Before that, we heard Hunter Gardner singing his song, a song called Amy, that he talked about recording in his story. And I thought it sounded great. Again, look for Hunter at huntergardner.com. Folks, something we are so excited about right now is this new idea we have. See, after every Risk show, we wish we could hang out with people, with the Risk fans, longer. And the people who come to see the shows, they come up and say, Risk makes me feel so much more connected to humanity. The show makes me feel like I can really hear human beings being real, not just small talk or social media pinging. Well, the Surgeon General has recently announced we're having a loneliness epidemic right now. People feel disconnected. So what we thought we should do is work on creating an entirely new kind of event, not a storytelling show. And not really a workshop either, but a curated social event where people are guided to share little stories with one another in various situations, whether it be over a cup of coffee or doing a little show and tell, playing games. And yeah, at certain points, people would have the opportunity to get up on stage and share a story with the entire room. 
a curated event where people are coached on sharing little stories like a day something happened to you that still makes you laugh out loud or a moment you were blown away with how amazing things can be. And we'd still all hang out afterwards. It'll be entertaining, engaging, and low stress. A supportive way of helping people meet people, even you introverts. So stay tuned. This is coming soon. It'll be a lot more like storytelling around a campfire. Sometimes it literally will be storytelling around a campfire. And it's just another example of what we're really all about and why we have to keep risk running. By the way, if anything leapt to mind when I said a day something happened to you that still makes you laugh or a moment you were blown away with how amazing things can be, pitch us <laughs> at risk-show.com slash submissions. We'll be right back. We're back. Folks, don't forget, I do one-on-one -on -one storytelling coaching, as well as life coaching, basically, at kevinallison.com. You can see all the glowing reviews that I get. I'm always telling clients to let me know how they're doing later on, too. I really care about learning about how telling the story we worked on together went for you, or learning about how making the life transition we brainstormed about went for you. So don't hesitate to get in touch and don't hesitate to stay in touch. Come and find my one-on-one -on -one sessions at kevinallison.com. Now next week, a daughter finally finds her love for her mother and a man who learns that no one should be fired the way people are fired on an old reality TV show I shall not name. But that's next week. And folks, today is the day. Take a risk. Ha 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 
Allergies. 